am at the Gene Frankel Theater down on 24 Bond Street with the illustrious, fantastic Gil Tucker. Illustrious. Yeah, illustrious, Ooh, man. I like that. He's, he's done things in Vegas. He's worked at the Apollo, Tropicana in Vegas, Riviera, Def Jam Comedy. He's worked the Garden in New York, and he's in Soldier's Play right now doing a fantastic job as Sergeant Waters. Well, thank you, sir. Yes, sir. So before we get into that, we want to just talk to you about what's the greatest lesson that your mother taught you and what's the greatest lesson that your father taught you? Uh, greatest lesson that my mother taught me would be um, to live by the golden rule. Okay. Treat people the way you want to be treated and you you know your life will be good. Right, right. Because um, more or less what you what you put out there is what you're going to get back eventually. I believe that. You know? My grandmother taught me the same thing. So, yeah, shout out. Yeah. And, uh, my father, um, pretty much... Uh, he taught me a lesson in a roundabout way. Um, <laughs> yeah, my father was a merchant marine, uh-huh. um, and he was pretty high up there. He was a, a, a chief steward when he retired, so he was basically military structured. Yeah. And I never forget when I first said to him, um, uh, "I wanted to be an actor," mm-hmm. and he, he was like, "Man," he said, "All the things that you could be in this world," he said. You got opportunities I never had. You could be a doctor. You could be. You could be a, a lawyer. You could. You know, there's so many. Th- and you want to be an actor? That's not. That, that's not a real job, man. And he kept that point of view all the way through my high school years. I went to performing arts, mm-hmm. um, the the Fame School. Which one? The one in uh. The one in the movie Fame. Uh, got it. Uh, matter of fact, uh, me and some of my boys were the ones that started playing music during lunchtime so all that scene out there with them dancing yeah we were the ones who used to play the music no nope. um but at any rate you know he basically kept that point of view and he never came to see anything i did mm-hmm. till my senior year um our senior year uh we were doing a show in the round and it was called um oh man uh, can't remember the name of it right now but we we did this play Matter of fact, there was a, um, I had one of the lead roles. It was three lead roles. Um, and one of the lead roles was played by a woman named Wanda De Jesus, mm-hmm. who's, uh, does a lot of work now. Um, and anyway, he came to see the play. Mm-hmm. And after the play was over, uh, he came up to me with tears in his eyes and he said to me, um, now I see why you wanted to do this. He said, wow. you, you, Really good. You're good. That's You're good. And uh, that. And for the rest of my life, he always gave me that respect for what I did. So that basically was what he kind of like taught me in a long way. So he taught you. So first of all, to be the best of whatever I do, whatever you do, though, he said, whatever you do, make sure you're the best of what you do. There you go. Nope. And I try. I try my best to, um, no matter what. Uh, you see me when I get on the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to leave it all out there. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't try to save anything for the second show. Right, right. Whatever I'm doing. I'm giving it my all now, because tomorrow's not promised. Absolutely. So, and a lot of my friends are gone. Right, right. So now, when I get these opportunities, man, I, I try my best to to do what I have to do. So, tell me about the day when you realize that you're funny. I kind of realized I was funny ever since. Um, uh, elementary school. Yeah. Uh, elementary school and junior high school, going into junior high school. And what it was, was I was little and I was watching a, a show. I was real little. I was watching a show called the Ed Sullivan Show. I remember that. I, didn't, I don't, I didn't yeah, watch yeah. it, but I know it. Uh, you probably saw, I know your grandparents probably talk about it or they probably showed you little clips or something. Yeah. Um, 
And I saw this gentleman on there, a black man mm -hmm. on TV telling jokes. And the joke that he told was about um, his brother and himself and how they used to get in trouble because they would never go to bed at night when his father told him to go to bed. And the gentleman was Bill Cosby. Wow. And I don't know why, but for some reason, I memorized his whole routine from the beginning to end. And I started doing it in school. Uh -huh. Next thing you know, uh, we got to uh, junior high school and I did um, I did a talent show. Uh -huh. Won the talent show. Went on to, um, to win the talent show the year after that. Uh -huh. And then after that, they asked me to host every show that they had in the school. And this is at the performing arts school? No, this was at this was at uh, my junior high school. Wow. Matter of fact, uh, my elementary and junior high school, um, Lawrence Fishburne went to the same elementary and junior high school. Okay. So that's how far back we go. Who else? Who else? Man? So you said, <laughs> no, that was that was junior high school. And high, I mean, junior high school, elementary and junior high school. Oh wow! So you grew up with Fish, like yeah. even prior to the, okay. Yeah. Um, he was a couple of years behind me, but we we, we always touch base because I was always performing in the school. Right, right. You know, um, now, uh, as far as high school, once I got to performing arts, well, that school was riddled with, with talent. Mm -hmm. you know? um, the year I was coming in, uh, when I auditioned, I met Freddie Prince. Wow. Um, in the school at the time was uh, Keith David, mm -hmm. who a lot of people don't even realize who he is. But as soon as you see him, you go, yeah, I've seen him before, but yeah. he's in so many things, you know. And that smile. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that voice, man, yeah. you know. He does all of the military commercials now, you know. Yeah. Um, Keith David, uh, a year behind me was um, Ving Rains, who mm -hmm. at the time was known as Irving. Irving. But he was a little skinny guy. That's why when I first seen him on, on film, I was like, he looked like a guy I knew in high school. Somebody said, that's, that's Irving. I was like, get out of here. And I realized how... He got all muscled up and whatnot. Wow. That's how you guys tease him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um, in his class, when he first came to the school, he was only in there for about a year before he left, was Wesley Snipes. Wow. So, um, and then a good friend of mine, uh, Luis Ramos, who's mm -hmm. like uh, been the villain on everything from Miami Vice to anything else on, on TV. And um, then he was on uh, Power not too long ago. Fire? Yeah. So, you know, um, you know, these are my people, man. I, I just love that kind of stuff. That's cool, man. So you get into comedy. Bill Cosby inspires you. You go to this dope ass. Sorry for the language. <laughs> dope school. Your grandmama going to get you. <laughs> I mean, we got to edit this part out. We got to edit that out. Um, so tell me about uh, a time that you bombed on stage and a lesson that you learned from it. Ooh. Ooh. Um, okay. Uh, I was working with a comedy team. Mm. Matter of fact, I was with the team when we did Def Jam. I was with the team when we were on BET and, and Showtime and all those things. Mm. Um, we were working at a, at a room that we had did three times prior. Mm. So it was like, man, we got this. So we pull up to the place. Now, I usually don't talk about this kind of stuff. I don't like people know my business, but you right. ask me the question. This is an exclusive. This is an exclusive. Um, so we, we go pull up to the club and my man whips out a doobie and he's like, you know, for those of you that don't don't know what that is, that's a, that, that was a, that was a, uh, uh, some weed. I go, yo man, let's smoke. I was like, nah, man, I don't like smoking before I go on stage. Nah, come on, man, we done been here three times, man. We, 
This room ain't nothing, man. Come on, man. I was like, you know, all right, man. I I do a little bit. We get in get on this, get in there. The guy before us was talking the nastiest stuff, cause our show was relatively clean. All right. I mean, we had a little risque stuff, but nothing like this guy was talking about eating booty and everything. We there go, oh my, <laughs> like, we got we got to follow this. <laughs> So, sure enough, uh, we get on stage and we start our show. I always told him when we get on stage, mm. start with our material, get the audience to like us. Mm. Then we can start messing with the crowd and do whatever. But he hide now, so we get on stage. The first thing he does is look at the titties on this bitch. I'm like, oh, my oh. God. No, he didn't. And it was a predominantly female audience. All right. Predominantly women. Right. Like 75%. So right away, she got tight and all her girlfriends got tight. So we doing the show and now stuff that normally gets a laugh ain't getting no laughs. I'm like, oh man, what's going on? So we had certain times when we would turn our back to the audience to get some props out the prop bag. We put on glasses and different things for routines we were doing. Right. And this show was going so south that when we turned our back, I looked on and said, oh shit, what we gonna do now? The problem is, once we were high, I could not regroup. I was usually the one that kept the structure in the show. Right. With me not being able to regroup, it was like, uh, usually I, I know where to go. I We just had to stick to the routine. I could usually switch up the routine to throw on something more powerful to grab them right. and get them back. Couldn't find a way to do it. Now, <clears throat> we used to close with a song. Mm. Which was na 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 hey 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 goodbye and that's what we used to close with right all of a sudden man we ain't even halfway through our set and the girl that he was talking about with her breast first thing she said was na 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 and her girlfriend said na 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 <laughs> then all of a sudden all the girls' hands is up pointing this way hey 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 oh man. Man, I ain't never felt so stupid in my life. Learned a valuable lesson. Now I, I will not. <laughs> I will not do anything that was will impair my judgment before I get on stage. Good lesson to learn, man. Yes, yes. Stay sober. Is that something you impart to upcoming comedians? What kind of? I would say the same thing. I would say the same thing to any. If if you're, if you can possibly, always be sober when you're performing then you'll be so tight with your stuff. Mm. It'll always go nice. But then you got some guys that are like the, you know, like the smoke for they go on stage. Mm. It's one thing in those little rooms. Right. It's another thing when you're doing a, a, a major club. Right. And you got like a thousand people or more in front of you. Mm. It's a whole nother ball game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like trying to perform at the Apollo and you start slipping and you hear somebody go, boo, it's too late now. <laughs> and you got the you got the whole, the clown coming out to, to to drag you off. Yeah, we used to always say that the the the, the, the Apollo had professional booers. You'd be walking down the block, they'd be, be on line outside, they'd be out there talking about, boo, 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 They grabbed the mic, boo, yeah. You know? So we were always ready for the Apollo. Apollo was like, doing the Apollo was like doing a, um, a prize fight. Yeah. You come out there, uh, if you got, you got to keep punching yeah. for three minutes straight. Wow, that's a long three time. Three to five man. minutes, you got to keep punching. Don't take your foot off the gas. 
Because as soon as you get complacent, they're going to boo you. Right. So is that energy related? Like we're like keeping your... Energy is one thing, but you better have something that's funny. Right. Don't do no long, drawn out story. If you do, if you're going to tell a joke, mm. have little jokes in between your joke, little punchlines in between your joke. Yeah, yeah. So that by the time you get to the major punchline, they dying. Yeah, yeah. But if you just telling this long story, Black people ain't built like that. They ain't want to sit down here no long. Ah, oh, man, I don't want to hear that. What, 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 what's the punchline? You know that. Come on, what's make me laugh? That make me laugh. You know, they that kind of statement. You got to make them laugh. Yeah. So it's about um, doing, the, grabbing them as quick as you can with your first right. one, and every few seconds after that, you got to have a, a a joke. Yeah, yeah. Or something that makes them laugh, for them to pay attention. Because especially now, now. Um, the younger the younger generation now with with uh cable and 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 um and smartphones and all that stuff yeah. their their attention span is shot yeah they used to if if they tune in something and the person don't grab them in the first minute poof, i'm changing the channel sure that's it so now so young black people are the same way they're like man if you don't make me laugh in the first minute I can't change the channel, but I can boo your ass off that stage and get somebody up, some up, somebody up there is gonna make me laugh. So you gotta pretend, you know, you gotta basically stick to that. Yeah, that's real, real words of wisdom right there, man. Make it um grab the attention. So is that what led you to uh, Def Jam? What were the steps that led you to Def Jam comedy? Oh man, Def Jam was a whole nother story. Def Jam, there's a a, a brother named Bob Sumner, mm. um, who when we first met him, uh, there was a club in New Jersey which was the roughest room in Jersey. Mm -hmm. It was similar to a, a little Apollo. Wow. They, but instead of booing you, they had a bell by the side of the stage. And if somebody didn't think you were funny, they walk up and look you in your face and just ring the bell. Blah, 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 get your ass off that stage. You ain't funny. So he used to DJ there. Then he started um, booking acts at a club called uh, Club 88. Right. And he used to bring us in to do shows, and he also used to bring us in to open up for like groups called like like uh, I remember we opened up for Blue Magic Form and a couple of times and things like that. Then eventually he moved to a club called the Peppermint Lounge. Now the Peppermint Lounge was in East Orange, New Jersey, and that was a rough crowd. Yeah. But if you get past if you could get past that crowd, he put you on Def Jam. Wow. So. um Basically, for the first two years, he wouldn't. He didn't put us on, mm -hmm. even though he felt we were good enough. But he wouldn't, because he felt like uh, we were too clean mm -hmm. for that show, for that venue. He said he was gonna get us on there eventually, but the third year he decided, all right, I'm gonna put you guys on. Now we get there, and he comes upstairs and goes, "Yo, uh, do you think you guys can work clean?" I said, "Clean." I said, "Bob, you know how long." We've been waiting to get on Def Jam. Mm -hmm. I ain't gonna be the first one to get booed. Right. I done worked on some dirty stuff for this show. Yeah. We going dirty. Mm -hmm. So we so so we did the did the so we got on Def Jam that trip. And that's that's how that that was our trip to that. Matter of fact, when we uh, when we did um, Petman Lounge, uh, there was a lot of people that that um, you probably would recognize today that that are uh, out there now. Yeah. But all of them 
most of the comics throughout the country, to get on Def Jam, you would have to go through Bob Sumner and Club 88. Wow. And you did it, man. Like a champ. Prize fight. Yeah, me and my boy, we, we, we made it on there. Uh, tell me the experience you had working with Tracy Morgan, Chris Rock, uh, David Allen Greer. These are people that you met at the Peppermint Lounge or in, in that circuit? No, well, or? David Allen Greer, uh, quick story with David Allen Greer. We were doing, um, we were working with the people from the Apollo. Right. Uh, they used to have a sound stage upstairs where they, where they, where they do the comedy shows now. Mm -hmm. So we were doing that upstairs and um, the people that were booking us uh, had a tour. So they decided, well, hey, we're going to put you guys on this tour. So um, they had booked us in Connecticut, mm -hmm. a big auditorium, a Bushnell Auditorium. Mm -hmm. And um, the person that was hosting the show was David Allen Greer. Mm -hmm. and David Allen Greer at the time was... Um, Living Color, yeah? Or? One in Living Color. Yeah. And he used to do that guy, wrote a song about it, won't hit, hit, go. So... <laughs> He basically was himself through the whole show. Uh-huh. And then the end of the show, he would close it out with that character. Yeah. You know, but um, you know, one of the nicest, most humble guys you ever want to meet. And I always wanted to meet him because he's one of those guys um I I can relate to because not only does not only can he do comedy, mm. but he can but he's a um classically trained actor. Right, right. And there's not too many people that can go from one point to the other. Yeah. It's like a lot of people that do heavy acting can't do comedy. Yeah. A lot of people do comedy can't do real acting. Right. So to see somebody like that made me feel like uh, I can I can make it in this business. That's dope. You know, like Jamie Foxx. He was a, a matter of fact, Jamie Foxx really, um, I respect him because he's probably one of the first. Mm -hmm. Well, he is the first black male actor mm -hmm. that went from comedy to acting and won an Oscar. Yeah. Other than that, there were women. You got a few black women that did it. Like, yeah. uh, Whoopi really wasn't a stand-up, but she had a a one-woman show, a couple of one-woman shows that were basically comedic. Right, right. Um, so, you know, she, uh, to see her do it, and then uh, the only other person was like uh, Monique. Mm -hmm. You know, but... um. Yeah, people like that, man. I have to take my hat off to people like that, man. And, That's um, dope. And no matter when he sees me, he still treats me, you know, with, with that same respect. Like, and I, I look up to him like, man, you shouldn't be looking at me like that. I should be looking at you like that, you know. Yeah, so, it's, it's real. There's a real brother brotherhood in like comedy. In yeah, sometimes. Oh, sometimes. Well, I, yeah, I've obviously never done so, a circuit. Sometimes. Uh, Tra Tracy Morgan. Yeah. Um, we used to do a, a a club uptown called Uptown Comedy Club. Tracy Morgan was a regular up there, mm. and he used to run around the club with a with a little hat on with a propeller on the top. Uh -huh. And if you notice, he was on Martin. Yeah. And that's the character that he brought to Martin. Wow! Wow! Yeah, yeah. All right, because Martin used to hang out in a lot of those clubs too when he was in New York and get material. Yeah. Well, no, he used to know um, Tracy and all that crew coming out of there. That's like Tracy and basically put Tracy down, got him, got him on an audition and got him on the show. That's fire, man. What makes a great story? How can people improve either in comedy or acting crossing over? If a comedian, if a comedian listening right now wants to act or they want to improve their material, what makes a great story if they want to become a better storyteller? Um, that's, that's, that's a tough, tough question because 
Just a subjective. Of, a lot of people um, write. Yeah. Uh, writing drama isn't, isn't the same thing as writing comedy. Mm. Um, a good story is a good story. And that with comedy, the best way to go about this, I tell all comedians, the best way to go about doing comedy when you start, mm. think of the funniest thing that you can think of and you telling your friend mm. something that you just saw that was hilarious. So right away you got this look on your face like, man, mm. wait till you hear this. And right away your boy, is, is his ears are perked up. He's like, yeah, what, 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 you know? Yeah. If you can approach an audience like that, mm -hmm. then nine out of 10 times your audience is like your boy. Yeah, yeah. So, but instead of talking to directly to one person, you're telling this story to a group of people. Yeah. And you got to have somewhere you're going with it. Right. You know, so a, a joke is the same thing as a story. You have your beginning, your middle, your end. Mm -hmm. That's it. Now, you just got to basically make sure that your, your beginning, which is your, which is basically, you basically have your first plot point in mm -hmm. your beginning. In the middle, you're basically trying to solve that plot, plot point. And at the end, you solve it. Same thing in a story. So, um, but what makes comedy funny is that usually you already know where the story's, where the story's going when you hear a story. You go like, all right, I know where this is going. Mm -hmm. What makes a good joke is the fact that you're waiting, you know where it's going, and all of a sudden the person just takes you somewhere you didn't expect them to go, somewhere in left field. You're like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Mm -hmm. It's like a shock. That's what makes a good joke. That's what makes you laugh. Wow. You know, you're expecting somebody to say something. Oh, well, I already didn't see where he going with this. And then all of a sudden you slap him with something. It's like I'm, it's like somebody saying, look at this hand here. I'm showing, my, showing you my left and then I slap you with the right. Right, right. That's what comedy is. Okay. Top five. Yeah. Top five comedians. Oh, man. Oh, man. No pressure. No pressure. Top five. Top five. Richard Pryor. Okay. The GOAT. Uh, Red Fox. Okay. Can you do a little Red Fox? I know you do a little Red Fox. Shut up, you big dummy. I'm talking. I'm trying to figure out these five names. <laughs> Dale, you going with this? Maybe you five these cross your lips. <laughs> All right. Um. Ah, oh, man. Uh, mm. Wow. This. This is. This is. I'd have to put. Um. As far as overall. Uh, one of one of one of the people as far as great comedic actor and comedian mm -hmm. was uh, Jerry Lewis. You can learn a lot wow. from watching Jerry Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're talking about acting, no, but you talking about comedians, okay? Uh, wow. Um, I I used to love Bernie Mac. I probably have to put him in my top, in, in, in that top. Okay, that's four. Um, mm, number five. Mm, I don't know. I have to leave that one because it's a lot of. Uh, I like the way Chris Rock talks. Yeah. And I like his routines, but um, I'd say between him and Dave Chappelle. Yeah. It'd be like a wash, but those two would be fighting for that slot. Okay. Um, At number five. 
That was number five. I know, I know. I'm saying so. It's a, it's a mix. It's a it's a Chris Chappelle. It's a CC. Yeah, yeah. I mean, seeing Chris Rock's last one, um, I wouldn't. Tim Ray. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, put that in that category because of the fact that um, I think he kind of lost it a little bit in the middle of that because he got into his personal business about his wife and his yeah. kids and. And you could see that he was hurting. Yeah, yeah. So it didn't have that same mm, that he normally has, but it was good. Uh, whereas Dave Chappelle has come back on fire. Yeah, his his are his, those are hilarious. He has come back on fire. I mean, I like a I like a lot of com- comics out there, but I'd say um, overall, those are probably my favorites. Okay, and Soldiers Play. You're acting, you're doing stand-up, and now you're playing Sergeant Waters, who was originally portrayed by the great Adolf Caesar. Mm. You, you're, you're, you're getting glowing reviews, man. You're doing great. I stand in the wings and watch you every day, and you're doing a great job. So tell me about your experience with NEC and Soldiers Play. Crazy thing about doing um, a Soldiers Play. I did Soldiers Play over 20 years ago with one of the cast members mm. in this cast, uh, Fulton. All right. Fulton actually played the same character back then too. Uh-huh. I played Waters that back then too. Um, it was a good production, uh-huh. but it couldn't touch this one. Um, so last year, I think around June, I get a call from Fulton. Uh-huh. I'm living in Miami. Fulton goes, "Yo, man, uh, too bad you down in Miami. You know they NEC talking about doing a soldiers play again. They ain't did it in." 30 years, 30, 40 years, you know. Mm -hmm. I said, look, um, find out when the auditions are. I got to come up there anyway. Mm -hmm. I'll come up, I'll come up earlier so I can audition. Mm -hmm. So I kept calling him, I kept calling him. He was like, man, I don't, you know, I'm not sure what was happening. So I said, well, look, Charles Weldon was my friend on Facebook. So I said, well, look, do you think if I, sent Charles Weldon a message, he would get back to me. He's like, nah, man, I doubt that. You know, nobody really get back to nobody on message. I was like, all right, send Charles a message. Uh-huh. Told him, I said, look, I'm out of Miami. Um, I want to do, I want to audition for a soldier's play. Uh, I am Sergeant Waters. He was like, you know, I think, yeah, yeah, right, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So he said, all right, uh, this is the email address, contact them. So sure enough, I found out when my audition day was. Got in the car, drove up here, um, came in, auditioned. After audition, he looked at me and I said, yeah, I uh, just want to let you know that um, I'm the guy that was saying I was coming up from Miami. He bust out laughing, man. Oh, yeah. And then he said, well, you get a call back for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I came in the following day when I knew I pretty much was in there. Yeah. Came for the call back. I was a half an hour early and one of the producers came out of the theater and said, is, is Gil Tucker here yet? I said, uh, yeah, I'm here, but you know, I'm, I'm early, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be here for another half an hour. She was like, yeah, I know that, but uh, Charles just want to make sure that you're here. I said, oh, wow. okay. Uh-oh. And then after I did the audition that day, um, Charles stood up. I went to shake his hand, and he hugged me. I've never been hugged by a director. And then he started explaining to me that Adolf Caesar was his best friend for like 15 years. Yeah. And once I did the monologue, he said he saw Adolf. Wow, and he's and been calling you Adolf. And you remember, we were doing, yeah, we, we were uh, yeah. 
all three rehearsals, it was like Adolf. Adolf it's like, oh man, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you know. Yeah. But but uh, it, it was that kind of thing, you know. That's love, man. And it's love having you on the podcast, man. Any last uh, aspiring like uh, all I want to say, for... all I want to say is that um, you know this has been a blessing. Mm-hmm. Come here and be able to do this show twice with this cast. Yeah. Um, I, I see the, the the younger generation coming up like yourself, and what you bring to this piece. Mm-hmm. You might not have as many lines as most of these guys. Mm-hmm. But when you're on stage, you command that moment. Well, thank you, man. And that's what acting's about, being in that moment at that time. It's about being, not searching for something else. Knowing where you're coming from yeah. and being in that moment. And uh, you do it every night, man. Thank you, you man. Night. So uh, proud of you. Much love, man. Gil Tucker. Love, man. Thank you, my brother. <laughs> <laughs>